0: Alright, welcome into the second episode of the Wasatch Basketball Podcast. Um, if you listened to the first episode, you might notice that this podcast was originally called the Outlet Podcast. Um, but upon um, further research, I found that somebody actually was already using that name. Um, so I needed to switch. Um, so we went with the Wasatch Basketball Podcast. Um, Wasatch because I live here in Utah, right next to the Wasatch Mountains. Um, which, if you are familiar with the Jazz in the nineties, those are the mountains that they had on their jerseys. Um, so anyway, that's what we're going forward with right now. Um, you can uh, follow the podcast on Instagram at Wasatch Basketball Pod, or you can reach me at Wasatch Basketball Pod at gmail.com. Um, in our first episode, um, you know, uh, I I don't have any experience with broadcasting. This is the first time I've done anything like this. I'm not a sports writer or anything like that. This is just something I wanted to do, um, do for fun, do do for myself. Um, something I've always I've wanted to do for a long time, um, and I'm getting you know getting it going. Um, but that being said, I don't, again, I don't have experience doing this. Um, so, you know, the first few podcasts are there. They might be a little rough. Um, I know in the first one, it was a little boring in spots in quite a few spots. Um, I jumbled over my words quite a bit. Um, but I'm gonna, you know, listen to each one, continue to get better. Um, if you email me, um, you know, follow me on on Instagram. I can see how you think the podcast can be made better. Um, let me know. Um, again, I'm gonna try and and improve every single time I do this and uh, make this a good product for everybody. Um, the reason I wanted to do this though is um, as a big basketball fan, I listen to just about every basketball podcast. There is, and somehow there's still not enough out there. Um, I could listen to six different podcasters and 10 different YouTubers talk about the exact same thing, and I'm still like, uh, where, where's somebody else talking about this? You know, where's another mock draft? Where's another free agency breakdown? Whatever it may be. Um, so I just wanted to give people another option to listen to as far as basketball goes. Um, so anyway, let's let's jump on into it. Um, today's episode is actually going to start um, what will be a six-part series. Um, I'm going to be covering each of the divisions in basketball. There's two conferences. Um, each conference has three divisions within it, um, making up 30 teams, five teams per division. So six divisions. Um, so today what we're going to be covering is the Southeast Division Division. Um, The reason I decided to go with the Southeast first is last year this was by far the worst division in basketball. They is awful. Um, only one team made the playoffs, and they were the seventh seed, and they won one game in the playoffs, and that was it. This this division has some teams in it that are in what I like to call cap hell, where they're paying a lot of guys a lot of money and there's not much to show for it. Um so we'll we'll jump right on into this. Again, this is going to be a, a series. Um I'm going to try and put another episode out tomorrow night. Um and we'll we'll see, you know, the timing of each of these. Um again, I want to put out an episode each month or sorry, each week. Um but if I put out multiple in a week, you know, that's what I'd like to do, but I'm going to put out at least one episode per week on this podcast. Um, so with with this uh, division breakdown, basically what I did is I did a mock offseason. Um, I took, I wrote down all the free agents this year. And in the NBA this year, it's kind of a crazy year. Um, about half of the um, whole NBA is free agents this year. There is... A lot of talent to be had, um, and something I I just don't think enough people are talking about is the fact that there's going to be some guys that um, under different different circumstances would get really big contracts. But in this year, this year there, you know, there's a lot of teams that have cap space, but you know, if you have seventy million and you get two max guys. You're out of money and with there being you know over a hundred free agents there's there's gonna be guys that are gonna be left out in the cold guys that would normally get you know six million eight million a year they're gonna be look trying to get minimum deals with teams just because there's no more money to go around um, so um, so basically what I did is I, I wrote down all the free agents. Um, I made a decision on where I think they would go. I put the money I think they would sign for and then, um, put that, uh, put those players with the draft picks that, that I put in, in my mock draft with that team. And I'm just going to show you what kind of what I think this team is going to be next year. I didn't do any trades and I didn't add the salaries of the draft picks just because I'm not entirely sure on exactly what those numbers are going to be. So, whatever I give for the cap space going into the season, just add the draft picks to that. Um, All right, so let's get started with the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic this year were 42 and 40, they were the seventh seed. They were able to pull off a win in Game One against the Raptors. Um, after that, the Raptors kind of handled them pretty easily, beating them in five. Um, the Magic are in inter- an interesting uh, situation. Um, they have some good pieces. They have some good young talent. They have. Um, they have a all star, you know, star level player. But he's a free agent. They have a little bit of cap space. And they, uh... but the thing is, they don't have a good coaching staff. Um, Again, they've got a lot of young talent on this team, but I don't think Scott Skiles is, I think that's who their coach is now. I may be wrong on that. No, no, Steve Clifford. Never mind. Um, Steve Clifford is a good coach, but he's shown that he's not great at developing young talent. Um, Hopefully he hires the right assistants because they do have some young guys on this team that can be contributors as they move forward. Um, Top players on this team are Nikola Busevich, who is a free agent this year. Um, Aaron Gordon, who they just signed to a... An extension this last summer. Evan Fournier, who is a really good wing shooter, um, maybe a little overpaid, but he he provides good floor spacing for this team. And Terrence Ross, who's also a free agent, who is one of those guys that's going to be um, in the running for six man of the year on a yearly basis. Um, really good scorer, an okay defender. Not much of a um, creator on the offensive side, but he can put the ball in the basket. They have some some good young talent um, going forward. They have Jonathan Isaac, who they drafted a couple years ago. Um, about 6'10", 6'11". tall, skinny guy, very athletic. Um, hasn't really shown much development yet, but when he's going against lesser talent like this, like in the uh, the summer league, he's shown that he's He has some abilities that he could be a dominant force in the future. He's just, he's got to develop. They also have, uh, Mo Bamba who they drafted last year out of Texas. Uh, Mo Bamba is seven, one has a, I believe a seven, nine wingspan. Um, but he's only about 220 pounds, super, super long and skinny athletic, very mobile. Um, but he's got to put on some weight. He's got to continue to develop his offensive game. He's got to figure out the speed of the the NBA. But um, if they were to lose Vucevic in free agency this year, he would be a decent option as their starting center. And lastly, they have Markel Foltz, who they got this last year in a trade with uh, the 76ers. Now Markel was the first overall pick. He's been hampered with... Um, injury problems his whole two-year career so far Um, he has this uh, he has a shoulder inlet syndrome Um, basically the way I understand it is his ribs get in the way of the movement of his shoulder Um, so from what what I understand you can either just continually rehab it. So basically you're just managing pain forever, or you can actually get um, your top rib removed from that side to help with shoulder uh, movement. Thing is they've really only ever seen this with baseball pitchers and either way, um, just rehabbing it forever or getting the surgery. It's about 50, 50 on whether it works or not. Um, some guys have had, their careers end early because of it and others have had success. So it'll be interesting to see, um, what the magic end up doing with Foltz if Foltz gets surgery. Um, because he, he does have a lot of potential if he could just get on the court and actually be healthy, um, extremely athletic, good ball handler. When his shoulder wasn't all messed up, he was a good shooter. Um, that's why he was picked number one overall in a very stacked draft uh, draft clause. Um, anyway, um, <clears throat> uh, going into the offseason, the uh, Orlando Magic will have $24 million in cap space. Um, their free agents right now will be Vucevic, um, who you have to imagine if they're able to sign him, We'll take all of that 24 plus some. Uh, They have Terrence Ross, Jerrion Grant, Jarrell Branch, Ken Birch, or Jarrell Martin, my bad, Ken Birch, and Michael Um, Carter-Williams. I believe going into um, this free agency, um, their number one priorities really should be to get Vucevic back. Um, The guy's shown that he can be a star, he can lead a team, um, but they're gonna have to put shooting around him. Um, you can't shove a bunch of guys that should be playing power forward; they're really playing the three right next to him. You know, there's just not enough spacing on the floor. He he provides a lot of spacing, but you gotta give him the guys to where he can go down in the post, dominate down there, and kick it out if he needs to. Um, honestly, though, I believe that Vucevic, he, I I think he should go somewhere else. I think he should try and find a team where he can try and win, try and get a championship or at least, you know, push further into the playoffs because in his time with the magic, he hasn't gotten to the playoffs much. And when they've been there, they haven't been that great. Um, other than that, um, going into this offseason, the Magic do, since they do have some cap space, they can play around with some stuff with trades. Um, they can take on money if they are if they strike out in free agency. Um, they can move the contract of Mozgov, um, Timofey Mozgov, who's about $16, 17000000 for this next year, but it's not an expiring deal. Um they can look to uh, use that contract some draft picks um, other assets to try and you know make this team better try and make it something that you know can actually get to the second round of the playoffs can have better than a 42 and 40 record be up around that 52 and 30 record another thing that a lot of people have thrown around is trading aaron gordon because aaron gordon at 24 years old is your greatest asset you have he's really put together his offensive skill set he's a super athlete he's on a pretty decent contract Um, also the contract is in descending value so each year that contract gets a little bit less um Rather than your normal backloaded deals um, that you see in the NBA, where uh, as the player gets older, they're getting paid more. Um, so as Aaron gets older, he's actually going to be making less, um, which again helps a team with flexibility as years go on. Um, if they do move him, though, they would either need to get <clears throat> a lot of picks trade him into space to get tons of cap relief so that they could sign an star or get a bona fide star to put next to Vucevic. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> the way I had their free agency going, um, I had the Magic losing Vucevic. Um, they bring back Ross on a... Just one second. They bring back Ross on a $12 million deal. And then with their remaining uh, money, they actually pick up Goran Drogic for about $14 million, um, which will give them a starting point card that they've been searching for all year long. DJ Augustine is serviceable. He's a good shooter, but they need somebody that can actually run the offense. And then on a minimum deal, they went out and picked up uh, Tabo Cephalosha to add some wing depth, add a little bit of shooting, add a lot of defense there. Um, so, oh, and also, um, I, in the mock draft, I had them draft um, Virginia Tech uh, combo guard, Nikhail Alexander Walker. um. Which again would give them some more shooting, it'd give them another ball handler, it'd give them somebody that can run the offense in spurts, um, and just more more talent, more young talent. Um, so with that, um, after this offseason I have the starting five for the Magic looking like Mo Bamba at the center, Aaron Gordon at the four, Jonathan Isaac at the three, which he's probably a better fit at the four. But if you're going to keep Aaron Gordon around, you, you got to play him at the three. Evan Fournier at the two, and Goron Dragic at the one. You'd have Terrence Ross, DJ Augustine, Cephalosha Fultz, and Alexander Walker coming off the bench. This is a roster, I don't think this is, you know, getting you to 50 wins roster. This is, you know, staying right in that seven, eight seed again. But. At least with this you're getting your young assets you're getting Bamba Gordon Isaac uh, Foltz you're getting them the time to develop that they need Um, so that in three four or five years you actually can compete not just barely make the playoffs but actually be right up there with the top teams so, with that, we'll move on to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, the Charlotte Hornets this year, um, kind of a disappointing year, but if you look at what the Hornets have done over the last, over the whole Kimball Walker era, it's kind of been disappointing. Um, they were 39 and 43 this year. Um, one bright spot to look forward to is they hired Mitch Kupchak from the Lakers this off season, this last offseason <clears throat> and i think he's a lot smarter at running a team um i think he can help the hornets actually take steps forward or actually do a uh a rebuild um they the hornets totally wasted this era where kemba walker was making 12 million a year you're getting a guy that should have been making max or near max level money for a mid-level salary. They they really could have capitalized, and they didn't. They gave bad contracts out. They drafted pretty poorly. They were unwilling to move some of these guys to, to help Walker. And in the in the end, I think it's going to cost them. I think they're going to lose Walker this year. He's a free agent. Um, I think he's going to go somewhere else. I think he's going to go try and win, try and get a ring, or at least get further into the playoffs, like, a lot like Vucevic, where it's like, yeah, you can make a lot more money staying with your team, but you're going to suck. You're going to barely make the playoffs going to just miss out on the playoffs you're going to be surrounded by guys that just are not at your level um, so anyway the top players on the Hornets roster as it a, as it a, is a con, currently constructed you have Kemba Walker you have Jeremy Lamb who's a who has become a really good shooting uh, shooting guard um, really valuable guy and he's a free agent now. Um, you have Cody Zeller, who is a decent rim runner. Um, he's pretty athletic. But he he has really not developed his game over the, all the years that he's been in the league. And, you know, again, they're paying him $13 million a year. Then you have Nick Batum. Nick Batum, a lot of teams would love to have him. But he's making like $25 million a year. He's if you had him at like eight or ten, everybody in the league would be, be trying to get him. Everybody would be calling you trying to trade for him. But at the salary they gave him they're uh They're not gonna be able to get rid of him. He's just, his contract's just gotta end. Or they gotta buy him out. Um or stretch him. Um he's got a couple more years left, so really it doesn't make sense to buy out, but they, they could stretch, but I really only see the stretch provision as something you want to use if you're in contention. If you're one of those teams that's right near the top and you need just that little bit of extra salary to push over then then you use the stretch provision you you know you use that extra money and you pay that guy out through the next few years um, just to get him off your roster. finally for the key players for the Hornets they have Marvin Williams who again a lot of teams would love to have this guy just not at the salary that he's making nobody wants to pay him 15 million a year but if you were paying him six seven million a year everybody would love to have this guy he's he can play the three in spurts he's a great stretch four. he does a little bit of everything for your team he's a decent athlete he's a good decent defender just they're paying him too much. Now they do have some young guys that, um, they should be excited about. Uh, Miles Bridges, they just drafted him this last year. Super athlete at the at the three, needs to continue to get better at shooting. Um, he's just a guy that needs more time in the NBA. Really, hit the skill sets there. He's just he just really doesn't understand. The NBA game yet um, you have Malik monk who they drafted two years ago out of Kentucky um, kind of a smaller guard um, about 63 but plays a shooting guard um, but if he actually becomes what he's supposed to be um, if he develops right right um, you're getting a uh, kind of a CJ McCollum esque player that's if he develops if he doesn't develop, then you're, you got Jared Bayless. You know, guy that, you know, you put on your team. He comes off the bench for you, hits a few threes here and there, but, you know, that's about it. So they really need to develop him. And then they have, uh, Vili Hernan Gomez, um, who's, uh, he's a good center. Um, nothing special. Um, but he could easily replace Cody Zeller if you were able to find a trade to get rid of Cody Zeller's contract. I would do it and just let Hernan Gomez be the guy at the, at the five, um, especially while he's still on this low cap number. Um, they're going to have to pay him next offseason, though. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know how willing they are to do that, though. Um, So going into this offseason, the Hornets will have $6 million in cap space. That's not a lot. And if you have to sign or if you're able to sign Walker, especially to the Supermax extension that he just qualified for, that's gone. And you're in the luxury tax. Um, So again, like I was saying earlier, there is money out there. But these guys with their Supermaxes or just the normal max. They're gonna take all the money. All these lower level, mid tier guys, you know, if they get a call from an agent, they better take that uh, that deal right away. Don't wait. Don't be like. Don't be thinking that you're gonna get more money somewhere else. No, take the deal right away. Because it's gonna be maybe the only money that comes. Um, this year the the Hornets have. Um, Kemba Walker is a free agent. Jeremy Lamb is a free agent. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist could be a free agent, but he has a player option. And if I'm him, I'm taking that player option. There's no way he gets the $13 million he's making back. Um, unless somebody seriously overvalues him, but I just don't see that happening. Um, I see if he enters the open market, somebody is going to offer him like the mid-level exception, which I believe is about... Seven million. Um which, you know, if you're Kid Go and you value being on a winning team, maybe you do that. You know, maybe you take the MLE to go play for the Warriors or go play for the Rockets. Um, they also have Frank Kaminsky, um, which it kind of looks like they're they've kind of just given up on him. He fell out of the rotation this year. Um, even though he does provide the spacing on offense—that's about all he provides. Not a great defender, not athletic. Um, can't handle the ball really. Not really good in the pick and roll, but he can shoot the three. That's about it. Um, they also have Shelvin Mack, who is a who's a decent uh, backup point guard. Um, but I, you know, if you can get him back on the minimum deal. Didn't do it, but I wouldn't be giving this guy a ton of money just to come back and be your backup point guard. And then also Marvin Williams also has a player option, which for him, I don't know. I would I would strongly consider not taking it because, um, you know he, he's a he's towards the very end of his career. He's in his thirties. Now is the time to try and get on a winning team and win a championship, but $15 million is a lot of money to give up without any certainty that you're going to get anywhere near that kind of money on the open market. Um, So going into free agency, um, I'm really torn on what the Hornets should do. Um, I think they should really try and bring Kemba back, but... Even if you get him back, you're you're not a good team. Like you barely make it to the playoffs, or you're just out of the playoffs. I would really consider letting him go if you could find a team that would do a sign in trade. Then do that. Get get something back for him. But I would have traded him at this this last trade deadline. I would have tried to get at least a first round pick for him. Something. Because I think they're going to just lose him for nothing. They're going to lose their all-star, their best player for nothing. And But, you know, maybe that's for the better. I If I was the Hornets, if I was Mitch Kupchak, <clears throat> I would be trying to unload salaries and start a rebuild around Bridges and Monk and Hernan Gomez. And maybe around Jeremy Lamb. Maybe you look at him as a as a you know a number two, number three option <clears throat> as you're able to get some star players going through the draft and later on through free agency. <clears throat> um so I have I have the Hornets doing doing okay in free agency in my, my mock off season. Um they do lose Walker. Um Walk I have Walker uh, let's see here. I have Walker. Go- Actually, I'm not going to tell you that because I'm, I'm going to talk about this team in another breakdown anyway. Um, but what they do get is they get NS Cantor, They get him on a decent deal just because the money's not there. He's floating around in free agency for a while. The, and you know, the Hornets see him sitting there and they throw him, you know, a, a one year, $6 million option. And he goes, you know what? This is the best option I'm going to get. I get to go there and be their starter right away. I'm going to take that. So they bring in Ennis Cantor. They bring Jeremy Lamb back. They pick up a couple backup point guards um, in Howlinetto and Jerry and Grant for cheap, both of them on minimum deals. And then Michael Kid Gilchrist picks up his player option. Marvin Williams picks up his player option. Um,. So going into uh, the season, your starting five kind of look, uh, looks like uh, Ennis Cantor at the five, Marvin Williams at the four, either Miles Bridges or Kid Gilchrist at the three, Jeremy Lamb at the two, and I'd, I would try Malik Monk at the one. Um, not because I think he's a great fit at the one, but he, he's just got to get reps. Yeah. Um, and then off the bench, you'd have, again, either Bridges or Kid Gochris. You'd have Nick, Nick Batum. You'd have Cody Zeller, and you'd have Hernan Gomez. Um, also in the draft, um, the Hornets, they have the 12th pick. I have them taking a project player because, again, I think they need to do a full rebuild. They take Sekou Domboya out of France. Um, Sekou is 6'10", super long, really athletic, has some decent ball handling skills. Decent shooting, he's a good defender, he just needs a lot of time, Um, but, you know, he, he could be, I don't want to say the next Giannis, because Giannis is an absolute superstar, but he could be to that, kind of to that level to where relatively unknown, you bring him in, you develop him, you give him the years and the reps that he needs. And eventually, you end up with a really good player, possibly even an all-star. Um, after all, all these moves, the Hornets would have <clears throat> would be twenty-five million over the cap, <clears throat> which would put them, uh, I, I believe, one million into the luxury tax. Um, which at one million, you could really easily deal with that. You could. Um <clears throat> You know find a trade with one of your lower contracts to send them into space just to open up that that cap space for yourself and you could wait to do that till the trade deadline Um, <clears throat> so moving on to the third team in the southeast division you have the miami heat the miami heat were also 39 and 43 this last year and just like the hornets there they're kind of in cap hell you've got Big contracts on players that really aren't. You no, know, they're good role players, but they're not going to help you win a championship anytime soon. And they have them on long deals too. Um, there. I just. I don't see the direction that the Heat want to go here with. With here. You know, Pat Riley's a really good GM, but I think he overplayed his hand, um, giving out too many big contracts. And I, I just don't see a way out for them right now because even, you know, the guys that have talent, I just don't see teams wanting to trade for those guys because of how big their contract is. Um, like a guy like uh, Hassan Whiteside, he has a player option this next year. I really don't think there's any way he doesn't take it because it's for uh, $26 million. He's not going to get that on the open market. Um, Maybe he finds a team that could give him 15, 16. But I I kind of doubt it. Because centers are kind of falling out of favor in the NBA. And unless you're a super special center. Unless you're Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert. Like, you're replaceable. People can find... Other peop, other seven footers to put in your spot. And Whiteside kind of falls into that. Like, yeah, he gives you a lot. He he rebounds pretty well. He he defends the glass pretty well. But so does a guy like Ed Davis. Ed Davis made I think four million dollars this year. So does a guy like Robin Lopez. Robin Lopez made fourteen this last year, but this year in free agency he'll get four or five, maybe six million. Um <clears throat> So I I really don't think there's any way Whiteside doesn't take the, his player option, and I don't see any way that the Heat move him, unless you attach picks to it. Maybe you get a team like the Hawks who are going to have tons of free agent space, and you know, or tons of cap space, but are trying to really rebuild. Rebuild. If you maybe you throw a pick in there. To take the last year of Whiteside's deal. Um, but even with that. Uh, even if they do do. Do do. Even if they do that for you. You're. You're still only like. You, you'd you still only have like six million dollars in the cap. So you could basically bring in a mid-level guy. If you did that. Um, really the, the Heat just need to kind of wait this whole thing out. They need you know, just realize that this next year is not gonna be great. Bring in as many young guys as you possibly can on, on minimum deals. Any of the young guys you do have, develop them. You know, get them going and try and get ready for when you you will have some some flexibility in the roster, flexibility under the cap. Um their top players this last year were Hassan Why said Goran Drogic, uh, Dion Waiters, Justice Winslow, who actually showed the ability to play the point guard a little bit, and uh, and Richardson. Um, oh, kind of blanking on his... Josh Richardson, there we go. Josh Richardson. And then you also have Bam Adebayo, who's really their only uh, prospect right now. The only guy that isn't like a... A high minutes guy get her in the rotation but still has a lot of promise but even him he's he's very limited because there's not much to his offensive game so going into the offseason the uh, Heat are actually 20 million over the cap already before they sign anybody before Drogic or Whiteside pick up their options they're already way over the cap Um, so really going into, um, free agency, you're going to be looking at minimum deals. You're going to try and find maybe a backup point guard. Um, you're going to try and find some, some fringe shooting. Um, and that's why in the, in the draft, I had them go get Tyler Hero out of Kentucky. Um. Because Tyler Hero, will again, it'll give them a young prospect that can develop over time. They can do, they can actually do a rebuild with. But he gives them a lot of shooting. Guy shot 94% from the free throw line uh, this last season at Kentucky. Good three-point shooter. Good in the mid-range. He's actually pretty good at creating his own shot. Um, So he would be a guy... That I I think they they have to get a guy like him. They have to get a shooter, whether it's him, whether it's Kelvin Johnson, um, Cameron Cameron Johnson. Um, they need shooting. Um, and then in free agency, uh, Weisshead well, picks up his option, and then I have them go and pick up on a minimum deal. They go and pick up Shelvin Mack. That would give them a backup point guard I would actually run Justice Winslow as your starting point see if he actually can do it um, so after that the starting five and the bench for the heat not very inspiring but um, anyway it would look like Bama DeBio I would start him um, I know you're paying Whiteside a ton of money but I'm trying to get this team looking to the future. Um, So Ben Adebayo would start. Johnson would start at the four. Josh Richardson at the three. Deion Waiters at the two. Or Tyler Hero. Um, I would be wary of throwing him into the fire right away though. I would maybe bring him off the bench for most of the season. And then maybe if he's really showing some promise, then you can pull him in to starting two over time. And Justice Winslow at the one. Um, Justice Winslow is six seven, really really good defender, decent athlete. He's starting to v- develop a shot. Like on the roster right now, he's the only guy that looks like he could possibly be an all star. But I don't know if he's to that level. I don't know if they have anybody on their roster right now that could make an All-Star game. And then coming off the bench, you'd still have Kelly Olynyk to provide some uh, stretching ability at the at the big man position. At the four or the five. Probably the five. He's not super athletic. You'd still have Hassan Whiteside. Again, you brought in Shelvin Mack. And then from there, it would just be Minimum deal guys. Uh, maybe you try and go and get a couple second round picks in this year's draft. Um, you can buy those now. You know, teams will just take straight cash for second round picks. And, you know, maybe you try I don't know a few of those guys. Maybe you try a few guys from, from Europe. But this team really doesn't have any flexibility right now. Anything you're going to do is going to be minimum deals or I don't know if they have their MLE, their mid-level exception available right now. Um, If they do, they've got to use it. They've got to get some talent in. Um, So after all this, again, I'm not factoring in the draft pick just because I'm not sure on the numbers of what they'd be be getting paid. Um, But the... Heat would be forty seven million over the cap, which would put them let's see what's that twenty about twenty-three million dollars into the uh luxury tax. That that's not good for a team that's not gonna make the playoffs, or maybe barely makes the playoffs. If you're playing paying the luxury tax, you better be one of the top four or five teams in your conference and have a chance at you know, making it to your conference finals, making it to the finals. Um, yeah. Again, the Heat just got to kind of wait this thing out. If they could find a trade to unload Whiteside's contract, I would do it right away. Um, just to get under the luxury tax. Um, or maybe you unload some other guys. Anyway, moving on to the fourth team in the Southeast Division. Is the Washington Wizards Um, again another team that's in just a really sucky situation with the cap right now Um, John Wall this year got injured um, and they don't know if he's even gonna be able to play this year this upcoming year Um, and they just gave him a massive extension where in the last year of it, he's going to be making $47 million a year. And he's shown that he's kind of declined as a player. And yeah, again, these max level extensions, you really got to be careful with these. You know, yeah, there's the can't miss ones. You give, you know, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard one of these deals, like that's understandable. But if you're giving a fringe all-star level guy the this deal, he better uh, produce because you don't have any more flexibility to get different guys around them anymore. Um, and this is actually why I, there's a concept I've been playing with um, that I think would be be a good thing for the NBA to do. I think it would increase parity, which you mean, just means it would make. Um, the teams more equal, you know, improve competition. But I would put in a every five year amnesty. So basically, a team would be able like take the Wizards here. The Wizards would be able to to go to John Wall, pay him everything that he's still owed, but it not count against the cap, and he's basically just released from the team. Um. So, his salary is gone. Again, you're still paying him. He gets his money, but it doesn't count against you. Um, and the one caveat with this is that it's an every five-year thing. So, if you used it in 2019, you can't use it again until 2024. Um, but what this would allow teams to do is if you you really messed up on a on a contract, you can get out of it. You're not stuck to this guy forever. You know, you're not sitting here like, oh man, would would you take two first round picks just to take his contract on? You know, what what can we do? What how you know we don't have any cap space. What what the heck do we do with this guy? Because if the Wizards were able to do that, they would actually have about thirty-seven million dollars in cap space going into this offseason. Right now, they're right at zero. They're not over the cap, they're not under the cap, they're before the season even off season even gets going they're right at 0 and they've got a lot of free agents and a lot of guys that they'd want to keep around um <clears throat> so um again going into the wizards here their top players this last year or top players on their roster you have Bradley Beal which Bradley Beal has shown that he can actually be a legitimate number 1 or if you put him with a, a real superstar like Giannis he could be an amazing number two Um, you have John Wall which again nobody knows if he's going to be able to even play this next year you have Thomas Bryant who's a free agent Trevor Reza who's a free agent Bobby Portis who's a restricted free agent so is uh, Bryant Jabari Parker who's got a team option but it's for 20 million they're going to turn that down he'll be a free agent and Dwight Howard, who's got a player option. But with how free agency went for him last year, I think he's going to take it. It's only for $5 million. And if he's healthy, he provides you some good rebounding, some good defense. Maybe off the bench. Maybe as a starter. Um, the Wizards really don't have much as far as young talent goes. They have Thomas Bryant, who's 20... 22, I think now um, he was a really good offensive center and he had, but he's a free agent again. he's an RFA and you have uh, Troy Brown Jr. who they drafted this last year and Troy Brown Jr. the situation with him um, listening to other guys talk about the NBA it kind of ticks me off because everybody's like oh draft these pro- project guys you're going to give them time to develop But, so they'll say that they're okay with giving them time to develop. But then, Troy Brown doesn't play most of the year. He's in the G League. He's developing. And people go, oh, the Wizards hate Troy Brown Jr. They're not giving him a chance. It's like, no, they're developing him. Like you said. Like you said they should. Um, And I see that with a lot of different players. It's like, Troy Brown Jr. was 19 this last year. You know, most guys hit their prime around 27, 28. You have time. He doesn't have to immediately come in and be this amazing player. You you can give him time, let him develop, and hopefully when he gets to his second contract, you know, he's ready to be a guy for you. When he's 23, 24, he's ready to be a main part of the rotation, possibly be a starter, be ready to go. Because Brown Jr. brings you a lot of, a lot of got, uh, a lot of stuff. He's and he's okay shooter. Sure. He's got to get better at that. But he's a great ball handler. He's six foot seven. He's a great playmaker, decent defender. But again, he's six seven, so he, you know, just the length alone and the athletic ability alone, makes you, an okay defender if you put in some effort to it. Um. So also going into free agency, Thomas Sadaransky, who's their backup point guard, he became the starter this year when Wall went down. He's six foot seven. I believe he's a restricted free agent, um, so they can match any offer he gets. Um, Sam Decker is a free agent. Um, he hasn't ever really developed into much, so I'd be okay with letting him go. Um, and Jeff Green is also a free agent. Um, Jeff Green is a good floor spacer at the four. You'd want him, you want him as a backup. You don't want to re- have to rely on him as your starting four. Um, but he brings value. Um, I would, would like to see them bring him back. Um, so in my mock-off season, I have them picking or getting Green back, getting Ariza back. Getting Thomas Bryant back, Sadoransky, and Bobby Portis back. Yeah. I also have them in the draft. They have the number nine pick. I have them taking Rui Hachamura out of Gonzaga. Um, Rui, you know, if they decide, or if Ari- Ariza decides to go elsewhere, he fits immediately into Ariza's spot. And if Ariza stays, he's got a mentor in Ariza. And. You know it just gives you more depth at the wing, which in the NBA the wing position just becomes more and more um, important as time goes on to have really good guys at the wing that can shoot, that can create offense, they can pass the ball, they can play defense. Rui's not a great defender but he I, I think he's got the building blocks to be at least decent at it. um so after all that, the Wizards would be twenty-eight million over the cap, um, and to get underneath the luxury tax, I would do something like uh, either find somebody to take Yamahimi's contract, or you know, find find a, a small trade just to get that five million or so off the books, to where you're not paying the the luxury tax. Because if you're not going to be a championship level team. There's no reason to pay the luxury tax. Um, So after all this, this, the lineup for the Wizards would look like Thomas Bryant at the five, Bobby Portis playing the four. You know, he's kind of more of a five, but he can stretch the floor. Um, I would put Hachimura starting at the three, Beal at the two, Satoransky at the one. Then you'd have Howard, Ariza, Jeff Green, and Troy Brown Jr. are all able to come off the bench and be contributors. Um, I think this team, everybody stays healthy. You you maybe get the seven or eight seed. Um, but that's about it. Uh, dealing with that wall contract is going to be huge. If they could find somebody to take it for them, then they got to do it immediately. But, you know, I, I just don't see anybody taking that contract from them. And so they're kind of just kind of just have to deal with being a mediocre team a maybe playoffs, maybe not playoffs team. Um, so I'm running out of a little bit of time with this segment. So what I'm going to do is in this segment, I'll do the last team closing thoughts in a second second segment. Um, so just. You know, stay tuned. Bear with me. All right. So we're back. Um, we're going to finish out the Southeast Division real quick. Um, the last team in this division is the Hawks. Now, the Hawks, I'm not a big fan of the players that they have. Um, just, I, I don't like Trey Young. You know, he may be a great player. Maybe super talented. He may be able to lead them to Greatness. I I just don't like him. Um I I kind of think he's a little bit of a punk and I think he's limited as a player. That being said though, he had a great rookie year especially after the the uh All-Star break he really became a really good player for them. And one thing that I've really liked with what the Hawks have done is they've actually committed to doing a rebuild. You know, most teams say they're going to do a rebuild. But after like a year or two of losing, they decide enough is enough. They go out and they sign veterans that they think are going to help them win immediately. And they push the young players aside that have been developing this whole time. And they just make it a whole mess. And they never really get past that 7-8 maybe sixth seed of the playoffs. You know, they they don't fully form into the team that they were supposed to with the young guys that they brought in. Um going into this off season, the Hawks are gonna have fifty three million dollars in cap space. Um which is it's a lot of money. But I don't think that they they want a big max level guy yet. I think they actually want to stick to this rebuild, add bits and pieces here and there, try and add some young talent. So what I had them do really is give a lot of mid-range guys one-year deals, kind of, you know, out deals just to see how they fit. See how that kind of player really fits with this group while maintaining the fact that the young guys are going to be the main minute getters. They're going to be the stars of this team. Um, so before free agency, this team consists of Trey Young, you know, good shooting, good, uh, uh, distributor of the basketball at the point guard, Kevin Herter, who's, I think in time, he's going to be an off the bench shooter, but right now they're going to use him as a starter, just really help him develop. But the guys, he's actually a really good athlete. Um, he's a good shooter, but he just does not provide anything at all on the defensive end. They have Dwayne Dedman, who's a free agent this year. Um, but Dwayne has, has, uh, really developed his shot over these last couple of years and become a really good stretch five. I think he's going to be pretty high in demand this off season, but not so much that, you know, he's going to price, you know, that the Hawks are going to be priced out of bringing him back they have Alex Len who has another year on his deal at about 4 million really good backup center um he's a good athlete um his offense is coming along they have Torian Prince who actually was floated in in uh in trade talks during the trade deadline and I would I really wouldn't be surprised to see them this off season float him around again just because next off season his salary comes or his uh, contract comes up and they're just, I don't think they're sure that they want him to be one of the main building blocks moving forward and they can get value for him. You know, they could get a first for him at least one. So I would not be surprised to see him on the move some point in this next season. And then a guy that they're really excited about is John Collins. John Collins really had a breakout year this year, his second season. Um, average about 15 points, nine board, shot really well from the field. He's a good young athlete. Um he really has the building blocks to be um a really good power forward in this league for a long time. They also have Amari Spellman who they drafted last year. Um everybody thinks that he could be the next uh Draymond Green. Um I don't I don't think he's that good of a defender, but I think he's a better shooter. They also have DeAndre Bembry. Um I'll be honest, I really don't know too much about the guy. I really have not been able to see a ton of Hawks games this last year. Um but he you own know, he's a he's a wing with some length. Um uh, about six six, long arms, got a decent shot, pretty good defender. Actually, a really good ball handler for his height. Um, Can play, you know, that kind of point forward position every now and then. Um, Other free agents that they're going to have are Justin Anderson, which Justin is, you know, he's a 3 and D guy without a 3. So he's just a really good defender. That's about it. You know, he's not to the level of Tony Allen, but basically Tony Allen. And then you also have the 40 was he 42 year old Vince Carter who says he wants to come back and he says he wants to come back and play for the, the Hawks again. Um. So the Hawks free free agency is it's pretty interesting. um The way I did it again, I didn't have them go for any big star level guys, but they got guys that are kind of mid tier guys on one year deals just to kind of see again, how they fit, um, if they can move forward with them or, you know, if they need different guys while letting the young guys still develop the way they need to. Um, so I had them pick up Jabari Parker on a one-year deal, Alfred Payton on a one-year deal, um, Dwight or Dwight, uh, Derek Favors. Um, because I think the Jazz are going to be able to get enough talent that they have to let favors go. Um, they get favors on a one-year deal. Danny Green out of Toronto on a one-year deal. Danny brings a lot of shooting, and he's exactly what you want Kevin Herter to turn into. You bring Dwayne Dedman back. Um, I don't know the years. You know, I, I would try and lock him up for a long time. I think he's a good fit with the, this group. And then you bring Vince Carter back on a minimum deal. And then the other long-term deal you give out is to Evita Zubak, um, who played for the both Lakers and the Clippers this last year. Um, just your, you know, your classic center, rim runner, rebounds, block shots. You know, he's aggressive down low. He needs to continue putting on more size, but I, I think he's only 22 right now, I believe. So he'd fit the timeline with this young team. I think you could get him for four years, probably seven, eight million a year. Um, so anyway, after that, you'd have a starting five of Zubach, Collins, Prince, Herter, and Young. So all of these young guys, you put them in the starting five, whether they're the better guys or not. You let these guys get the reps. And then off the bench, you'd have Favors, who can play the four or the five, who's a really good defender, especially down low. He's got the quickness to 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 do switching defenses. Jabari Parker, Alfred Payton, Danny Green, Dwayne Deadman, Vince Carter. This team here, I think, with how bad the East is, and it's gotten better over this this year, at least in the top five. But after that, it's anybody's game to get those last few spots in the in the playoffs. Um. I think with this lineup here, I think you get in. I also have them in the draft. They have the 8 and the 10 spot. Now, personally, I would take those 8 and 10 and try and trade up. Maybe you throw Torian Prince into it. Try and get up into that top 3. Because if you could add, like, RJ Barrett to this group, that would be great. Or DeAndre Hunter. But... um, in my mock draft, I didn't allow for any trades. I will later on do another mock draft where I do trades, where I do the draft the way I would do it, where I take the place of all 30 GMs and I do trades. I do, I pick the way I think they should pick, not the way I think they will. Um But anyway, with the eight and 10 pick, um... I have the Hawks take Jackson Hayes, center out of Texas, who's um, a lot like Jared Allen for the Nets. Super athlete, long, um, can jump out of the building, can block a lot of shots, does not have a developed offensive game, but you can give him the time to develop. And then also, with the 10th pick, they take Cam Reddish out of Duke. Now Cam coming into the season, a lot of people had him as a top 3 guy with RJ and Zion. And then he just did not perform well at Duke. Did not shoot well. Did not look very good when he was off the ball. Um but there's still promise there. He still, you know, he's still 6-9. He's still athletic. He still could be a good defender. Um, so I, I would like the Hawks to take a chance on him. Cause again, they can give him that time to develop with this young core. Um, so they take him with the 10th pick. So after doing all this, after signing all those guys, again, you're not getting them for top level money. You're getting them in the six to 12 million range. All these guys, the Hawks are $8 million over the cap, which means they are well, they have they're well short of having to pay the luxury tax. Now, one thing the Hawks could do, though, is just maintain that cap space and take on somebody's dead money for picks. You know, you look at a team like the Grizzlies. They have Chandler Parsons, one year left on his deal for $24 million. Maybe you get uh, Chandler Parsons and a... One first and a couple seconds for for him just to take on that dead money. There's other guys in the league that will have dead money that teams are going to try and get rid of, like Hassan Wayside with the Heat. Um, so that's one thing to look into. Um, the approach I had them taking was just bringing in a lot of guys just to see how they fit. Um, so with that... We are uh, done with the Southeast Division. Um, the next division that I will be covering is actually the Southwest Division, so we'll we'll start heading over to the west. Um, so we'll you know we'll be doing the Rockets, the Spurs, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, and the Mavericks in this next episode. Um, again, thank you thank you so much for listening if you are listening. <laughs> um if you have any questions, any suggestions, you can reach me on Instagram at Wasatch Basketball Pod or at Gmail at Wasatch Basketball Pod dot at, at gmail.com. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear any suggestions, any topics that you want me to cover. Um again, this is something I'm doing just for the fun of it. This is something I just want to get more basketball out there for, for people to listen to. Um. So with that, again, thanks for listening. Um. Next episode should be coming out tomorrow, hopefully. Um, if it doesn't, you know, well, there will be an episode, at least one more episode within a week. So I'll be looking out for that. All right. Thank you. Bye.